This is Otakunomics, the Otaku Business Podcast. I'm Anubis, and we are talking about the business world behind anime. Now, first up, we have some news that's coming out. Long story short is Funimation has ended their streaming service for Ishizoku reviewers or interspecies reviewers. And this is a show they had licensed for streaming and they had, they pulled it. Around the end of January, they straight up pulled it, citing the, citing their own standards. That this is their statement. And this isn't a statement that they made publicly initially. This is a statement they, they had made directly in response to a user email that they sent in concerned that the anime series did not appear to be on the service anymore. So it reads, Dear Funimation user, thank you for contacting Funimation support. We appreciate your business. After careful consideration, the series was removed from the service as it fails, as it falls outside our standards. We have the utmost respect for our creators, so rather than substantially alter the content, we felt taking it down was the most respectful choice. Please let us know if you have any questions or concerns. Thank you, Funimation Support. So this is interesting, because previously, Funimation had promised us an uncensored version of Ishizoku Reviewers, and for those who are unaware... Ishizoku Reviewers is a very, very racy, etchy comedy anime. Uh, tons of nudity, tons of sexual content, what have you. So, naturally, the way to watch that would be the uncensored version. And Funimation had promised that. But, later on, they had mysteriously pulled that promise from their website. So... They, so, reading their statement, in a world bursting at the seams, this is from their, their ad copy on Ishizoku reviewers promising a uncensored version. In a world bursting at the seams with moi monsters and humanoids of the horned sort, which brave heroes will take it upon themselves to review the beastly babes of the red light district? Can only one be crowned the ultimate title of best girl? Behold the most tantalizing of trials, uncensored. And then, they, later on, they basically just remove the word uncensored from that ad copy. So, initially, they were streaming it. They they had promised the uncensored version, and failed to give people the uncensored version, kind of pulled that. And now they've dropped the series completely. And it's unknown whether they're still sitting on that license or not, or whether they have any plans to potentially release this in a disc release later on after the series is finished airing. But this is... This has attracted some... From ire from the fan base naturally since Funimation has been caught doing doing some untoward activities again and a lot of people are a lot of people are 
revisiting old Funimation incidents, such as the thing with Hajimeto no Gao, their script changes on uh, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, their script changes on uh, Prison School, and people are people are calling Funimation into question again because it seems like this seems like actually a departure because normally they're 100% fine with showing disrespect to the creators by by altering their content but what people are speculating is that Ishijoku reviewers was just too constantly lewd and racy to for alterations to be really effective so they just dropped it entirely and people are also questioning why Funimation would even pick the show up considering one its manga is already licensed so we already it's easy to find out what the show is about and two it calls into question whether or not Funimation really pays attention to what they're licensing and that's that's an important that's an important point it's kind of weird that Funimation would drop the show a few episodes after its initial air date because they're because the content is suddenly too racy for their platform. Now the implications here for Funimation are pretty serious. Number one is they've already paid a minimum guarantee for the license, and that's already several tens of thousands of dollars. Now you've then you've got the they've already paid their staff to start working on it. They've already allocated internet real estate to it, and all that costs money. So they they've lost quite a bit of money on this. Not to mention they're not going to gain any money from it. So they're not that money's down the toilet. They're not going to make it back off of that property. They're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to make money off of bringing people in from having it. They're not going to be, if they don't end up putting it on disc, they're not going to be able to make any money off of that. This basically lost money for them. And it's curious why they would let that much money go basically 100% lost based on simply, apparently simply not wanting to air it. And Funimation hasn't been very detailed in why they want to stop airing this this series. They gave Anime News Network the same statement I read out before, and their mouth has been shut on this on the topic since. They've actually been going into the Funimation forums and basically locking threads on this particular incident. So it's a very strange situation where we know we're not getting the full story, but Funimation definitely is not going to tell us the full story. It actually kind of reminds me of when Crunchyroll Gaming debuted with the Danmachi game, and they said it was going to be 100% the complete game, one-to-one with the Japanese release, and it turned out that they removed a minigame basically a, a, a poking minigame where you poke the character on your smartphone from their U.S. release of the game. So, 
and in in that instance it was very very apparent that they were not telling people the whole story but they were basically refusing to tell people the whole story even though everyone knew that they were they were hiding the truth so with this funimation incident it's it's very strange and there are now rumors going around about firings and i'm not going to really get into that until there's been some kind of confirmation though considering how hush hush they've been about this whole thing and i doubt we'll get it from funimation it'll have to come through some other channel and will have to be verified that way now interesting to note is that the show is still streaming in france and australia and both of those are regions where uh sony aniplex funimation basically merged the the major companies wakanim in france and madman anime group in australia into the entire sony funimation family so they're under the same umbrella as funimation but have not made that decision to stop showing this anime so we'll see where it goes uh, certainly fans are up in arms and honestly rightfully so and speaking of streaming we'll be talking about that after the break keep right here This episode is brought to you in part by She's Lost Control Media. She's Lost Control Media is a business planning consultancy specializing in meeting the specific needs of artists, creators, and entrepreneurs in fandom spaces. Whether you're an artist looking to make a business of your craft, a content creator looking to make your content more than just a hobby, or a fan looking to take your fandom to the next level, you can visit she'slostcontrol.media and we'll see how we can help you out. Now, people have been talking about the streaming wars for a while, but we in the anime space have known our own little streaming war, and that's been continuing for really for longer than the the contemporary streaming wars have been a concern. So basically, what we have are several families within the anime space, and a couple other major players within the anime streaming scene, as it were. You've got the AT&T Warner Media family, and that's your, that's Crunchyroll, that's Rooster Teeth, that's Verve. You've also got the, the Sony Pictures Funimation family, that's your Funimation now. You have the former ADV family, that's High Dive, which is a partnership with Sentai Filmworks, uh, as well as you've got Amazon Prime in the mix, you've got Netflix in the mix, you've got Hulu in the mix, and all of these are vying for titles, they're vying for market share, and as a result, you you get... A, some 
you get some paradigms that some anime fans have been complaining about for a while. I know back during, it was a couple years ago, there was a big YouTube video by Mother's Basement about why there's no reason to pirate anime in the modern day. And there were a couple of rebuttals to that video talking about why you really should pirate anime. And the basis, the basis behind Mother's Basement's video was because you can get pretty much all anime legally streaming nowadays. Though, as we talked about for the break, that's not necessarily true for every anime. Even if it is licensed. But the responses were talking about the, the paradigm of exclusivity deals within these streaming platforms and how they harm the consumer. And I've always been highly skeptical of that argument. And the reason for that is because in the streaming wars, you more or less live and die by your exclusives. It's kind of like the console wars in that respect. And the only thing, if if exclusivity were not a thing in streaming, that the only people who would benefit are the large incumbents that everyone are already using. So a lot of people are praising the Pop Team Epic, like multiple service streaming deal, where Pop Team Pop Team Epic will be simulcast on Crunchyroll and on High Dive and, and so on and so forth. And a lot of people were talking, a lot of people were praising that because it was, it's anti-exclusivity. It's, Pop Team Epic is just everywhere. But what really happens when you make a deal like that is the only people who benefits are Crunchyroll. Because then no, if any, if someone wants to watch Pop Team Epic, they can already they already have that service. And as the biggest game in town, they get, there's no incentive to check out any of these other services. You're only going to use the service you already use, and otherwise, there, there's no reason to go to a different service. What exclusives do is... They keep the competition honest. Because if you're already using a service, it's going to take quite a bit for you to switch services. Even if that other service's product is better. So, to, to put it in perspective, I, uh, I canceled my Crunchyroll subscription, uh, a couple years ago, I think it was after the the Crunchyroll Gaming Don Machi game thing I mentioned before the break, and what I did was I the first thing I did was I checked out High Dive, and what really impressed me about High Dive was their library. They have a bunch of titles that one I've been meaning to watch, and two. A lot of stuff that I I can see myself rewatching, and it's a nice, convenient way to do that. 
Like I, I was, I was real, real geeked about the fact that they have Amagami SS. Uh, I was thrilled about them having Pat Labor, thrilled about them having stuff like You're Under Arrest, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, that's a big title for them. And of course they have this deal with Sentai Filmworks as well. So, I ended up subscribing to High Dive. And then discovering that their player is also really good, and they have a really good interface and all that. But for someone who, someone who, one, primarily watches anime through streaming, and two, is watching something that's exclusive to a particular service, they're going to stick with that service. Unless they're, unless that service's product just takes a nosedive and goes completely down the drain, they're going to stick with that service. Now, back in 2018, when Crunchyroll and Funimation split, a lot of people were upset, but that was actually a very good thing for the streaming market in general. The reason for that is, when you get the two biggest companies in the American anime industry together like that, Funimation and Crunchyroll, it create it's not quite a monopolistic entity, but it's approaching that level because both together they're able to just throw so much power around in the market and discourage competition that way. When you have the Crunchyroll Funimation split, all of a sudden a whole bunch of titles disappear from Crunchyroll, they go over to Funimation, and now the consumers have to make a choice. Am I going to stick with Crunchyroll, or am I going to go with Funimation? And what it comes down to is the anime you want to watch and the quality of the service. So, in theory, it would force both parties, both companies, to do the best they can to retain retain viewership and ostensibly that would lead to them in improving their service, improving their various parts of their product as well as bidding harder to get these hit titles. So Funimation gets Ishizoku reviewers, that's that's gonna be their exclusive and Crunchyroll doesn't have anything to follow that up with. Now, what we haven't mentioned yet are these other major players, your Amazon Primes and your Netflix. Amazon Prime is kind of a... They're kind of a third party. Amazon Prime and Hulu are both kind of third parties to this entire streaming war. Amazon tried to embed themselves in the anime market with Anime Strike, and that was over, that was over almost as soon as it began. It shut down, I think not even a year after it started up. And all their anime is just on Amazon Prime now, which quite frankly is a better move because you're not charging your customers twice just to watch anime on your service. And they have a pretty impressive library. They have a lot of classics. They have a lot of newer stuff. And. You also got Netflix, and Netflix is a major player in basically whatever they do. So, they've had anime for quite a while, several years, but only in the 
recent couple years have they decided to really go hard into the anime market. And that's, that's for better or worse because the way they handle things is a lot different than the way a lot of other anime companies handle things. They're very much on the binge watching paradigm. So they've most, they've basically refused to let anime up on their service episode after episode, week after week, like a lot of other anime streaming services do, and like a lot of anime fans want, like to watch their anime. In addition, they've also started involving themselves in the, in the production of some anime, which has spawned some interesting titles, but people are concerned that their involvement is doing more harm than good in the Japanese anime industry. And in that it's not the success of anime on Amazon isn't making it back to the studios in a way that a lot of people would consider to be satisfying. You've also got the the whole thing with them marketing anime that was not created by by Netflix, but they're marketing it as Netflix original. They did with this with Knights of Sidonia back in the day, and I thought it was interesting because some of my friends actually believed that it was an anime Netflix made when really. Netflix put that, put out that anime right after it finished airing in Japan. So there's that. There's also the, the whole thing with them grabbing up the license to Evangelion. And that sparked some, some mixed feelings because everyone had anticipated Funimation getting that license and Indeed, Genfukunaga kinda put out, put out some statements saying Netflix wouldn't do justice to the anime and whatnot. And in, in many ways he was right. Uh, Netflix went, redubbed the whole anime. They didn't include the Fly Me to the Moon in the ending. They did a whole lot of, a whole, bunch of translation things that people found questionable but they have what what it comes down to is they have the they have the power they have the the wealth the money to throw around to get some of these big licenses and anyone who knows the first thing about anime knows Evangelion is a major title so of course they're gonna go for Evangelion now, one concern with Funimation licensing a bunch of anime directly is that it's not clear whether or not we're going to get a disc release of that anime. And there's a lot of people, myself included, who like to own these discs. And there's a lot of volatility with regards to streaming in that we don't know if this stuff is going to be up on these streaming services forever. Yeah. Well, quite frankly, we know it's not going to be there forever, 
we just don't quite know when it's going to disappear a lot like Ishizoku reviewers did. And we don't quite know if there's going to be any announcement. We don't quite know if we're going to get a chance to to own this stuff, especially if it's not on disc. So there, there are those of us who like to own this stuff on discs who are concerned about Netflix throwing their weight around in the market because it's very clear that they don't, they don't care very much about anime as a specific medium. They did this thing with Tiger and Bunny where if you look at the Hulu version of Tiger and Bunny, all of the product placement, which is an an active part of the show, it serves a purpose, is intact. Where if you look at the Netflix version, all of it is removed. So it's clear that they, they don't quite know what they're doing in the anime space, but they're able to do it anyway because they have the money to throw around and because they're, they want a share of this market. The streaming wars that everyone is super concerned with were inevitable from the very beginning. We've always, this is how it always goes. You get the early adopter companies who come in, establish a market, and test that market. Once it's clear that there's some money to be made here, you get other companies coming in and trying to get their piece of the pie before things start to go, things start to consolidate. And so when that happens, all the companies that didn't do it right or didn't have the right titles, couldn't justify staying in that market, their titles will get absorbed by the other companies who are staying in that market. Their, their titles will be licensed out to these other companies and they'll still make money that way. Not as much money as they, as the companies that won out and stayed, but the, their titles will go elsewhere. It's not going to just disappear. So, and we've actually already started seeing this with the rise of Verve. And if you ask me, in the next five to seven years, I don't, I don't think Crunchyroll is going to exist as an independent streaming entity anymore. It would make a lot more sense to roll that into Verve along with everything else. Just have everything in one place. So not only do you get the convenience of having all that on one service, the Elation and Otter Media and Warner Media who owns them and AT&T who owns all that get the they get the consumer activity of them going to Verve and they're going there for Crunchyroll but they might watch something from Rooster Teeth while they're at it they might watch something from I don't know Geek and Sundry while they're at it they might watch this they might watch that you get that that adjacency effect of having all this stuff on one service. So the anime streaming wars are, they're here to stay until we see companies start losing. And just like the normal streaming wars are here to stay until we start, until we see companies start losing. And anyone who's been paying attention to this has seen it coming 
for years. And also anyone who's paying attention to this and has seen it, seen it coming for years knows that it's a good thing. Because when we get this kind of competition, the consumer is, the consumer is the really one who really wins because the best product usually wins this kind of thing. Though I'm concerned about Netflix's presence because they simply have a lot of money to throw around and that's going to be attractive in the short term. But in the long term for anime, I don't think they really have much value to the market. And I think that they're, they're milking a trend for all they can get out of it. And it's clear to me that they don't know much about the market, don't know much about the subculture, and don't really care to learn. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.